talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. G'day, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff for another week. My name is Nick Wasiliev, and I'm delighted to have your company here as we discuss the latest in Super Rugby, the Wallabies, and more. I'm joined by three of the usual suspects uh, to talk about this upcoming Super Round of competition, um, as well as a whole bunch of other things that have happened. So, first of all, hello, Natho. How's it going? Very good, mate. We've got Dylan as well. Hello, Dylan. G'day, Nick. And lastly, Jack O'Rourke. Jack, how you doing, mate? G'day, g'day. Let's dive into it and let's talk about, we've got our we've got our main burning questions here, hot topics. First of all, we are heading into Super Round uh, coming up this weekend. All the teams are going to be in Melbourne for an exciting round of games at Amy Park. It's the first time we'll be coming up against the Kiwi sides. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of smack from both sides, but now we'll finally get to see where we lie in terms of our fight against the Kiwis. We'll see how we'll talk about that. Question two, what's going on with this whole debacle with Brad Thorne? There was a whole bunch of a blow up that, that happened over the last week or so regarding, uh, you know, Brad Thorne and, his, and him expressing interest in the position of, of being a future Wallabies coach. What's going on there? Question three, it's also the Super W final, which is also happening this weekend uh, as part of Super Round. Uh, what are we most excited for the, as the Waratahs take up, go up against the Fijiana Drua? Question four, we're going to start a whole bunch of analysis um, heading into the England series that's coming up in July. Um, and we're going to have a look at the depth that's happening between, in terms of the Wallaby squad and the growth there and who we think are going to be the players that are kind of going to st- stand out to us. And starting off tonight, we'll be doing analysis of the front row. So the props, tight head, loose head and hooker. And then lastly, question five, we'll do our predictions for the weekend in terms of the super round that's coming up. All right, let's dive into question one. The all roads lead to Melbourne, which is the which is the case, and it's uh, it's interesting times. Nathan, you you and I have been kind of talking about this for a while. You and I have been optimistic that uh, we're going to be have a better year against the Kiwis this year. Um, what are your thoughts? Are we in a good position heading into Super Round? I feel like we are. I feel like we're in a better position than last year. I think last year, especially the top two teams, kind of saw. That saw that AU final as the grand final, and then whatever happens afterwards, so be it. I think there's there's been a more concerted effort to really try and peak for this, say the last six weeks, and then head into finals really in form. Uh, I think that's a couple of good matchups to start it off at Super Round. I mean, you got what was it Brumbies taking on the Highlanders, the Highlanders side, which is, I mean, it's still absolutely dangerous from all all positions in the park, but. It's, it's a game where you'd look at it as a Brumbies fan and think, you know what, that's winnable. Reds, exactly the same story against the Hurricanes, but no, no James O'Connor's a bit, of a bit of a worry. And then you look at a Waratahs team who will open it up. And I mean, this feels like a perfect position for them to start. Like, you're underdogs. Everyone's going to ride them off. You have, as you mentioned, a lot of talk from the Kiwis saying they're going to come over and give us a reality check and humble us, which is strange for... For you know teams which went two and twenty three that we all of a sudden need to be humbled. I don't, don't don't quite get that. I think we got plenty of that last year and we've copped twenty years of it from Bledisloe. So 
it's a bit ironic, but I mean, for I think we're in a good position this year round. I mean, yeah, particularly particularly the Waratahs to, to lead it off just as that real underdog mentality. You know, DC will will have him fired up. He'll probably print the betting odds out and every Kiwi word just to get him firing up. And I, I reckon they'll – my prediction – I know we'll get into more detailed predictions later, but I reckon they'll really try and send a statement in that first game, that first – particularly that first half and just kind of tell the Kiwis, hey, we're here. We're here to compete and hopefully we can get more wins this year round, which, I mean, the way we're playing, I think, is almost a certainty. I agree. I do agree. I think it's uh, it's interesting to see, especially heading into these rounds, you can tell that for the Brumbies are playing good rugby, the Reds are playing good rugby, but other teams are as well. The Waratahs have shown the, that they are far from a team, the, the team of, of last year. Um, even the Force, even though they've only amassed the two wins, have shown that they are a tough nut to crack. Um, even though despite the fact that they still struggle to even get, get a win at home and always seem to go down by one point, or a margin of less than seven at home. But even the Rebels have seemed to have kind of shown a bit of progress and progression over the last few weeks. Dylan, what are your thoughts uh, heading into this? Do you think that, uh, especially with the Rebels particularly, the, the Rebels look like they've turned a corner a little bit, the Rebels look, and uh, they look like a side that is at least heading in some sort of resemblance of a more positive direction? Do you think uh, that uh, that we might see a few surprises this weekend? Well, I just saw that Scott Barrett's gotten four weeks, so that's it. But, you know, the Rebels are going to win easily now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think the Rebels are in for a, uh, a tough day at the races. You know, uh, the Crusaders lost at home. They're going to be bringing everything they've got. But I actually think it's going to be a good weekend for rugby because, you know, that Waratahs team, that they could put up a good fight against the Chiefs. There's, there is potential for that. Um and the Brumbies against the Highlanders, you're right. The Highlanders can be deadly, but that that is a strong um, strong Brumbies outfit that could put up a really good fight. I think losing O'Connor and Pattaya probably does hurt the Reds. And so and the Hurricanes do look really good. Um, so look, it, it, it's it's gonna be a and they came up well, they they came off the Hurricanes came off a pretty pretty tough game. So and the Reds are going to want to do better than they did against the Rebels. So I, I think that they're going to, that's going to be a pretty strong matchup. Um, it's a shame we're not going to get the Moana Pacifica Force game because I really think that's two teams that have lost quite narrowly who are going to go very hard at each other. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, it's going to be a good weekend for footy. It is going to be a good weekend for footy. But interesting, you mentioned you touch on the uh, on some of the emissions from from this weekend. We've we've had a couple of players drop out, most notably James O'Connor. Um, we talked about it in the chat. I mean, the the judiciary panel for the for a whole bunch of the Kiwi teams really spared no expense in terms of who got uh, who got handed out. And of course, Scott Barrett was the was the the biggest one who's been taken to the sidelines, but. We know that Bataya is out due to injury. Lalakai Paketi is out due to injury. James O'Connor is all out due to injury. But at the same time, we're also seeing blokes like Rob Liotta, Jock Campbell, Noah Lolasio come back. Jack, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it seems like a you know either a lot of the younger guard or a lot of we do have a lot of players coming back. But there are some big omissions from uh, from some of the Australian squads. Do you think it'll be a case that? Uh, We'll still be able to take it to to the Kiwis, or do you reckon the depth issues or the, or the people that they've had drop out will affect them as well? 
Yeah, you could argue that, uh, you know, some of the outs from our super rugby teams, the Australian teams, um, they're, they're a bigger loss to their teams than some of these New Zealand teams that are, are these New Zealand players that have, have been ruled out. So it'll be a real test of depth right across um, some of the Australian teams. But, uh, um, but the Brumbies are looking good. Uh, the Rebels, they've they've got, you know, I think all their Wallabies back this weekend. So um, across some of the sides, yeah, there's good depth and and it'll be a great challenge, but especially at the Reds and and unfortunately the Force game got cancelled. So they're, they're two big um, sort of very uh, disappointing uh, outs for this weekend when it's all converging um, in the one city. Uh, but I think... Um, yeah, I think that I think the Australian teams are looking pretty good. I think the thing for me as well is when you look at the Brumbies and Reds play, you can see they haven't peaked yet. Like there was that there's that feeling of that second game, the second game of between the two sides in, in AU. It this it felt like they threw everything at each other, and it, mm. it, I mean it was a great it was a great contest, but you could tell they were that was at their top level. You look at the Brumbies and Reds, and you think you know they can still there's still areas they can improve. There's still areas they can tidy up and you can say that for the Waratahs and also and to an extent with the Force and Rebels as well. So I think that's also a real positive sign as well is that you, we go into this knowing that we can take our games to another level like this isn't we haven't seen the best of our sides that or, and you know if the Kiwis might come in thinking that it's going to be the same result as last year that we could actually kind of stun them early on and just try and build a build early momentum which we missed last year. I think we we conceded in the first 30 seconds well, the Reds said in the first 30 seconds it was downhill from then. So yeah, I think we're in a really good position just to kind of catch them off guard. And as you, as you guys, guys have said, maybe snag a couple of upsets as well. My one big worry, though, is that uh, we always – it's always been kind of a joke that uh, – I mean, uh, that if we have two, a, a really good performing team and they come up against a, a real tough nut to crack, we might sink to their – that, you know, an Australian team might sink to their level – uh, of play and, and f- get sucked into their game. But I always worry that when, when you come up against a, a high octane team that we struggle to rise to that. I agree with you on this one, Nathan, because I still feel like the Reds and the Brumbies are still kind of, I, I feel like they're still holding something back. I really do. Either, either it's in the form of that the, they are still to find top gear. Um, it just doesn't feel like that they're, they're, at the level that I think that that we think that they can play, because they clearly both have so much potential. But even the Waratahs as well, I think the Waratahs have, have shown themselves that they can really play at a higher octane level and really kind of get away, especially when they've been cho- when they're choked out of a game like last week. Even though they smashed you know the force in Perth, they barely had any possession. They barely had any uh, you know they basically had to tackle for the entire match, and yet they still won with forty one points. Um, which says a lot. Um, on the subject of all being in one place, uh, which game are we most excited for? What's the, what are we most excited for about Super Round? Dylan, you're you're the uh, the, the uh, it's at home it's at home for you. What are you most excited about? Um, well, I've got tickets to the whole weekend, um, so I'm going to go to try and go to all of ma- all the matches. Uh, I actually am pretty keen for Friday night going to the Waratahs Chiefs game. I think that'll be. I think that'll probably be almost the match of the round, or Sunday afternoon the Brumbies Highlanders. Those are the two matches I'm pretty excited for. But I think watching um, uh, the Drua Blues could be 
just a it'll it'll either be a bloodbath or just <laughs> exciting rugby, um, exciting running rugby. Um, but it's, yeah. it's exciting to have it all in one place. I'm going to say that word exciting a lot, and I hope that this becomes a regular tradition for Super Rugby moving forward. I don't expect it to be in Melbourne every year. I don't think I'm that lucky. But mm. the idea of having a tournament weekend sounds like it, – it just sounds like rugby. It sounds like great fun. And it should be one of something that we capitalise on more to help grow the game. Yeah, I really hope they can bring that festival atmosphere down down to Melbourne and, and make it almost a counterpart to like the sevens or the tens where everyone was, you know, dressing up, having a good time. That's the Fiji, the doubleheader of Fiji games will help with that as well. The, <laughs> yeah. Having the having that the Super W final and then into the Fiji Endura. I, I'm I'm with you there on Dylan. I think like the the game I can think of that comes that comes to mind is that Waratahs Hurricanes game last year where it was like. I think it was like 64-48 or something like that. There was there was no defense between both sides, and it was. A, I remember being at the SCG watching it, and it was a great game. I reckon we could be in for something similar with the um in that Blues and Fiji game. But again, for me, that Waratahs Chiefs it's ambush time. Let's let's catch the Kiwis off guard. Let's send a message. Well, either that, or just let them know that we're it's going to be it's going to be different and much more competitive this year. Because uh, you do you did raise a good point at the start of this podcast that the Kiwis have, have been talking a lot of talk uh, for this for this whole competition. Um, that you know, for some reason, they still need to prove a point against us and and take pleasure in in knocking us down a peg or two. It'd be nice to see you know us grab a win or two and, or, or a couple of wins this weekend. And let them know that no, nah, we're here. It's going to be a competitive season. Um, it'd be exciting to see. Um, I think if the uh, if the if the Waratahs can get up on the Chiefs on Friday night, it's the first game. It'll be a little bit like you know uh, Arnie and the Predator. If it bleeds, we can kill it. And that'll, <laughs> like, that'll, the team's the confidence to go. Oh shit! If the Chiefs come out and put fifty on the Waratahs, I think the Australia teams are going to go. Oh, fuck! Here we go again. Mm. So I, honestly, it, I don't even think we, you need a win. I think you just need if you can put us. They put a solid performance together where it goes down to the wire. Because, I mean, let's face it, the wire, all, all anyone sees is Brumbies and Reds, okay, and then you've got the, the other three nations, three teams kind of making it up. If they can just push the Chiefs, in my opinion, just maybe maybe take a quick lead after 40 and just, even if they get run down late, I think that that, that would be the sign of, oh, hang on a minute, we're actually going to be, we're going to be on our games here. I think, I was, I, press conference last week, I think Charlie Gamble put it best, like, Everyone's going to talk about the pre- the pressure of you know trying to get off to a good start, but ultimately it's it's probably more on them. They've they're yeah. they're the people that are supposed to come in and just cakewalk these people, or cakewalk these teams, come out and just blow them out. It's it's on the Australian teams as we've said, just to kind of stand their ground and see what happens when you all of a sudden put that pressure of, well, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna fall. We're a, a lot fitter side this time around. We're a lot more skilled. We're not gonna fall away when. We, a bit of pressure, a bit of fatigue starts coming into the game and just see how they react. It is interesting as a, as a final point on this on this question, just talking about it was it, the when we talked about last year and, and you mentioned it interestingly about when kind of how trans Tasman the trans Tasman comp was essentially a bit of an afterthought. Um, and you know the fact that a lot of those Australian teams had kind of peaked after the grand final. Um, after the end of watching several of the games last week, uh, I got it very clear. It was a very clear indication from, you know, listening to the likes of Gamble, Gordon, 
um, Kaitu or, or, or the uh, you know the the Force players, um, but also kind of some of the other players that all of them are already looking to this week. All of them already are. So I'm anticipating it's not going to be a, a 23 to two cakewalk by the Kiwis again this year. And hopefully it can start this weekend in 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 Melbourne. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, let's crossed. hope so that the even just just week in week out at least Aussie teams can compete and 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 nab a few wins week in week out and build that consistency. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we'll, before we dive into, we'll, we will t- touch on our predictions for the upcoming weekend. Uh, but before we do, we got a couple of other questions to dive through first, and let's talk about this whole situation that blew up uh, last week around kind of the a couple of conversations that came to light off the back of of Brad Thorne. He was asked some questions about, you know, expressing interest in the, in the top job. Um, And apparently according to some, some sources, a highly ranked rugby Australia source kind of commented that Brad Thorne was quote, not a team player. And that in the context of greater changes around higher performance, coaching Thorne is quote, not being good to work with. Um, Obviously this is a bit, this is, this is obviously ruffled a couple of feathers, uh, particularly some in terms of conversation to, and discussions between, you know, Thorne, Rennie, uh, McKellar as well, who's who's going into the uh, into the into the Waratah, into the Wallaby setup. Nathan, this is all. Is this all just hot wind? What what do we have to? What do we actually have to unpack here? What's going on? I mean, it doesn't feel like it. Like you have Brad Thorne coming out saying he's going to be the Australian coach. Or he wants to be a Australian coach. Good. That's that's what we want. That we want our best coach, the best coaches that are within our domestic system wanting to be Australian coach, even if they're Kiwis. And then, I mean, and yeah, firstly, I'm not the RA source. Stop asking. Um, but <laughs> now, nah, like it's the marketing pigeon getting revenge, isn't it? Like it's been bullied for so many years. The, the marketing pigeon just came out and went. Now nah, let's just try and start something. Now, nah, uh, but. <laughs> For me, it feels a bit like a storm to take up purely because, like, why are we talking about replacements? We've got a good coach already in Dave Rennie. It, it feels like we, we get to this stage in Australian rugby, and it happens with, with players as well, that is all of a sudden this, this shiny new toy comes in in the sense of, I mean, Thorne's been around for a while, but his eligibility is only... Such, or not eligibility, that's the wrong word. His willingness to coach the Wallabies has only, was, has only just been confirmed with this article. That we all, everyone all of a sudden panics and thinks, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How are we going to sort out, you know, what we've got McKellar's, McKellar's gone in as this so-called heir apparent, which he, he, I don't think he is. I think he's just, he's just done a great job with the forwards coach. It's been five years. It's been five years of the Brumbies. He wants a new challenge. Like, and even still, we don't need him as a, as a heir apparent. Dave Rennie's doing a good job at the moment. Like, it just, we just get to, get to the stage where we, we just, we have these conversations for the sake of it. All it does is just bring negativity out. Like, let's focus on, we don't, let's just focus on, we have so many good, I think Wayne Smith, I think it was Wayne Smith again. He was out of yesterday, today put it best. Why we, let's just focus on what we've got, trying to keep these people around, push, have these coaches pushing each other to want to be the Australian coach and just build that depth without having to say, hey, let's start planning for this. Let's, let's let them naturally battle it out. And hopefully that brings better results to our club teams. Which will then bring better results to the Wallabies. Like we, we want this depth, we want this competition. Like that's what all, all it should come down to, to me. Like let's not, let's not turn this con- turn this current conversation the narrative of oh well we need to sort out a coach now or we need to sort out if he can't do this or that. Just let him still develop, let him still le- learn their trade, and when the time comes, 
then we can have that conversation, knowing we've got the depth to actually have several good candidates come through. It, it is interesting you touch on this because, and I mean, first of all, completely agree. It's just what is achieved here from these questions being asked because great point you make Dave Rennie is doing a decent job he had a decent season last year and in the greatest scheme of things in terms of his of his time as coach he's only had you know 20 tests in charge he's still he's only had really effectively one and a half seasons um as coach and he's doing a really like last year the Wallabies made such fantastic progress so why bring this question up I just, I don't get it. And it's, it's the thing as well. It's the whole, well, you know, we have to be an Australian coach to take over. Like, that was the only, you know, who stoked that narrative? Dave himself. And, but the thing is, Dave's comfortable. And by, by listening to conferences, Rennie is very comfortable to stay on for an extended period. That's what, that's all it should be. That should be end of story after that. And then we focus, we focus on issues afterwards if we need to, knowing that we have the candidates. But it's just, it's point, it's pointless pointless conversations that just bring negative negative consequences that we just don't need. It's interesting you mentioned that that point, um, Natho, about about the, the Wayne Smith put out a very interesting article, uh, kind of and basically highlighting that the Wallabies shouldn't really have can't really afford to to have this sort of coaching saga <laughs> debate um in any shape or form. That's rich. Yeah. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Which I find I find fascinating. Jack, I'll, I'll throw to you for this one because uh, I mean he does make it. He does make some points around here, and they asked a question around had Rugby Australia actually already decided to give the job to McKellar or not by having him announced in the Wallabies setup. First of all, does this even matter? Um, and second of all, because I do because. Because he does highlight that if you know suddenly Brad Thorne turns around and wins a Super Rugby title, um, mm. he wins this year, then all bets are off. Really, what's the? What are your thoughts on this and out of this whole discussion yeah. and curiosity? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, great that some of our best coaches in Australia want to push for that um, Wallabies spot, and we've, we've got genuine competition amongst all these coaches trying to um, do their time. So yeah, I, I'd be all for. I, I don't I don't think Dan Kelly, even though he's been brought into the Wallaby system, I don't think Dan McKell is, you know, is is in the in is in pole position to take over. I think um, there's a long long time to go between World Cups, even if um, and even if Dave Rennie performs badly, but he 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 might go on and we might have a great World Cup and he might extend and um, you know it's they, the these coaches will have to bide their time. Um, in 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 Super Rugby, they might even take off your gig. So it'll be interesting how it develops over the next couple of years. But yeah, I agree. It's way too early to be talking who's a successor of the Wallabies coach um, when Dave Rennie has been doing great. We've signed a really top world class coach. Um, we can see that they're improving year on year. Um, and I and I think all all this all these media reports just a, you know, it's an interesting timing. It's it's an unwarranted distraction. I, I I agree, and you know, um, I will point out that an unnamed source at RA does not speak for the whole organisation. I think um, so. I think you know these 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 reports are just drumming up 
um, a bit of a bit of a controversy that really isn't isn't much. Um, it's just one person's opinion. It's it's clickbaity. It's generating clicks more than anything else. Um, yeah. It's it, and which is which is frustrating because it means considering that I and think it's, that, yeah. And stories like this, whether you know the journalist will say you know we have to report what's you know happening, but distractions like this are not needed in Australian rugby, especially at this point where we're you know coming into a super round. Um, it's exciting times in rugby. Um, this sort of it's it's a bit gossip girl, you know. It's it's a bit. <laughs> It's a bit rumor mill. It's a bit gossipy. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, whether we need a place for it or not, I'm, that's I, another conversation. I agree, but I mean, it's the fact that we're even. If I, and if I put a positive spin on it, I'll, I'll channel my own inner Hugh Cavill for a moment, and just think the fact that we're even having this conversation, the fact that there are multiple people up for up for consideration for for. That there is performances happening mm. and people are happy with that. If you yep. had said that conversation, say in 2016 or 2017, where it was clear that that what one of the big issues that Australian Super Rugby sites have was the fact that they had coaches who were so out of their depth um, and were still developing as coaches. Um, the fact that we now have a couple of people now who have had the, the couple of years under the belt, developing, performing, and now the teams are producing results. Now the teams are winning. Um, yep. And I think that's I think that's the real story that that you know that that has been sort of maybe taken the limelight out of and and under all this distraction is that we have you know two quality coaches in in the Australian system who are both vying for you know higher honours and and we've got the likes of Stephen Larkin coming back, Tim Sampson's floating around now. Um, so we've got some really quality coaches coming back to this country and and all fighting for for that higher honour. And that doesn't even mention Simon Cron and Darren Coleman as Very well. Very true. Who, yeah. are, who are, you know, high-achieving uh, coaches in their own right. Dylan, as a final point on this, if you're Brad Thorne or if you're any Reds fans or any folks like that who would look at this and... In, in, see might potentially view this in a negative light or any capacity maybe this is a question and not just through i'll throw to you first dylan but as a question for the wider group what's your response here what are, what's the best way to approach looking at this just taking it as just more spin uh what's 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 the best way to approach looking at something like this a professional coach was asked would you like to coach the national team and he said yes like you ask any coach in australia do you want to coach the Wallabies? Absolutely. Do you? If you lined up all the blokes that haven't made it, haven't got a gold jersey, and said, "Do you want to play for the Wallabies?" <laughs> are they going to say yes? Like, it. It was a. It's a stupid question that's stupidly turned into controvert clickbait controversy. Which, look, I understand the Reds are back in their coach. There's a lot of negative media out there, but. That's what that should have been the response. Of course, he wants to coach the Wallabies. Oh, he's not a team player. Well, fuck you. We think he's a team player. And I think that this back and forth, unnamed source, you know, and then you've got the, you know, it's just stoking the fuel, the the fires of division, and it's the last thing we need. And you know, I just think that that's the problem. It's creating controversy where we don't need controversy on a on a question that had it was. It was a stupid question. Like, of course he wants to coach the Wallabies. Like, 
And if, if they said, actually, would you prefer to coach the All Blacks? He'd probably, because they're a winning team, they'd probably prefer to, prefer to coach the All Blacks. Or, hey, there's Jamie Joseph's going to leave Japan. Do you want to go coach Japan? Yes. Any professional <laughs> coach wants to push for higher honours. Like, that's that's the thing. They're going to want to push. And if they get the chance to coach a professional uh, a professional team, they'll take it. If they want to coach a successful professional team, they'll they'll take that. It's so like, oh, the Crusaders calls. Do you want to go coach uh, Scott? Um, the... You know, Robinson. yeah, Robinson's leaving. Sorry, blanked on his name. He's leave. Um, he's leaving. Do you want to go coach the Crusaders? Oh, nah. I think I'm going to stay with the Reds. Of course, he's going to go coach them. Like, it's just a stupid question, <laughs> and it's just fueled a childish debate, which is indicative of Australian rugby that that an unnamed source had to come out and cause controversy. Just create unity, not division. In this case, mm. Nathan, did you have anything you want to add on this one? Nah, I think Dylan just hit the hit the nail on the hammer with that. Like, it's creating divide for no reason. And, you know, he was asked a question: Do you want to coach Wallabies? And he said yes. And that's that's all it should, should come down to. We don't don't need to look at successes. We already have we already have our man. Just leave it at that. If you ask Kevin Foot, does he want to coach the Wallabies? He'd probably say yes. And I can say, <laughs> as a Rebels fan, Kevin Foot should not be allowed anywhere near the Wallabies. <laughs> But we don't need an unnamed source, aka Phil Kearns, to come out and say that it was a that Kevin Foote's not a team player and he shouldn't be coaching it. Like, if he's not up to it, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Didn't their mother teach him that? Mate, but we live in the twenty first century. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't. Nothing applies anymore. It's all. For, it's all fair game. <laughs> fake news. It's all fake news. <laughs> All right, I agree completely. Let's treat this discussion as such, and hopefully, whatever whatever is happening behind the scenes, uh, hopefully, Thorne and, and RA and whoever can can hash it out and just leave let bygones be bygones and let and let what whatever has been set set on the said uh, in the, on the media field be left as such. Let's move on to question three, and this is something that'll definitely uh, you know grab the attention of many, and that is the Super W final. It's uh, well, it's uh, forming part of the of this super round this weekend, um, and this is a match that I think a lot of folks are super excited for. Um, it's fair to say that uh, going into this game, we have the Waratahs um, coming up against the Fijiana Drua. Um, the Waratahs, of course, the were the, the the are the defending champions, but they were definitely shown up uh, when they played the Drua uh, in round five of this competition. Um, and we've got a fantastic match uh, on our hands, which will be as part of this game. So they'll be out for re- revenge. The Fiji Andrew will be looking to try and go through the entire competition with a, a, a clean sweep it. Um, it's really a clash of some of the best female players in the Southern Hemisphere we've got this weekend, and fantastic that it's going to be part of Super Round. Jack, I know you've been following this uh, this Waratah side, but also this Fiji Andrew side for a while. Um what are we most excited for about this game? Yeah, it's great that the the final can be almost a showpiece event of of Super Rugby Round. So it's it's really great to see them included in in things. Um, and I think this this final just raised the competition to a whole new level. Finally, the uh, the Waratahs have a you know a, an actual competitive team that'll that'll really push them and 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 challenge them uh, in in that final. Uh, it's something that the the competition hasn't had for for a while, just because New South Wales is just so dominant, dominant, dominant. Um, 
So yeah, it's, it'll be a really exciting clash. There's just some unbelievable talent running around there um, for both sides. Um, yeah, and let's let's talk about that talent a little bit. Uh, Natho, I know you've also been keeping a watch on this team. Um, both sides, who do you think is the standout, standout player or the, the key player for both the Fijiana Drua and New South Wales Waratahs? Yeah, it's an interesting point. Uh, starting with the Waratahs, I think it's going to be their their front row. Yeah, Eva Kapani's, your Horace Robinsons, um, Natalie Delamore, who they've brought over from um, New Zealand, she came over after our picky with yeah. Bella McKenzie. I she's think a great they're, little player. She's and she's a great she's a great addition. And what they bring is it's that it's what a lot of teams have figured out how to s- solve. Moana and Fiji, Fiji Drua in Super Rugby Pacific. It's keeping the ball in, in tight. It's mauling. It's going for the line. It's really trying to limit how much they're going to, oh, how, many, how much opportunity they have to offload the ball, which, again, Grace Hamilton admitted after the game that they're essentially, they, they essentially got dragged into it. So you can use those type of players just to keep it in close really trying to overpower them at set piece time. I mean, that's where that's where ultimately they can win this game. But like you look, you know, but in terms of the Fijian team, it's just the fact that they, they've they've got talent across the board. It's you look at one from one to fifteen, they can offload a ball. They can really just cause some absolute chaos, and that's that's what they thrive in. You look at you look at again across across the board. Vitaly Tawaki, Tawaki, I butchered the pronunciation. Someone who's Gone from number eight to prop to to hooker. Um, she's one one of several people in that team that can offload the ball like no tomorrow, and just always has that pace and that real, real. I know it's said probably overset at this point. But it's the Fiji and Flair that just create something out of nothing that they just can't handle how to how to shut down. So it's stop. It's shutting players like her down, shutting like Jama Roberto as well. Like you just gotta that's gonna be the key. But if again, if these players start getting getting the ball going, get getting the offloads away for some of the backs to start going, like all of a sudden you can just it can, can run away from the Waratahs. So I think that's your key battle is can the Waratahs keep the keep the game in close? And if so, I reckon it'll be a real close one. Yeah, it's this match is gonna be so interesting, but also I think it's gonna serve as a really interesting teaser to what's gonna be happening early next month because we we of course have the Wall of Roos um happening as well, and their first match of the season will be at Suncorp Stadium on Friday, the sixth of May, and it will be against Fiji. It'll be their first match since twenty nineteen, which will be fantastic. Um I think, do you think this, uh and this is probably a, th- a question to throw out to just the wider group to all of you, uh do we think that uh, are we are we are we viewing this as a potential precursor to uh, to that upcoming clash um, as well? Not just for the fact that the Super W trophy is on the line, but the fact that this is essentially the last taster of, of women's rugby that we're going to get before international mm. tests are, are upon yeah. us, and then the Women's World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And I think considering you know the majority of the Waratah squad of Wallaroos and, and and the fact that the Fijiana team are um make up the bulk of that than the, the national squad. Um I think I think it'll be uh, really interesting to see how the Waratahs respond um to to their you know thrash they got thrashed by the Fijians and 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 considering that you know 
they make up the bulk of the Wallaroo squad. It'll be really encouraging to see them uh, respond and, and and work on work on some things and come back very so much stronger for the final. I, mean, I tend to agree with it. Like, sorry, tend to agree with Jack. I mean, there's probably going to be plenty. There's plenty of players that are going to be drawn out of the Brumbies, Reds, Rebels, and Four sides, but a large large quantity is going to be from this Waratahs team. You'd almost pick that the back row in particular is almost near Wallaroos caps. So you probably you're probably looking at the depth across the board. You only throw Shannon Parrott seven. Otherwise, you you're six and eight are basically. Basically, Waratahs with with a large amount of that that type five also being as well. And McKenzie at ten, um, Badabasunga at nine probably. So you look at you look at that spine. All of a sudden, it's Waratahs. So if they, it's gonna be interesting if all of a sudden, oh not all of a sudden, but if they've had that two or three weeks to all of a sudden shut that shut them down. You, that you can get that experience out of how to stop this Fijian side when no one else can. You can all, all of a sudden, you all of a sudden take that to Wallaroos camp. You you, t- you share it with the rest of you, with the rest of the players coming in and there's all of a sudden a, a built-in formula. You can, you've got the next two, three weeks to co- try and, you know, refine and come to Suncorp on, on was it yeah, May 6th and just look to try and get a result and hopefully get a win. Indeed, indeed. Let's talk predictions. Let's talk predictions for this match. Um, I'll, I'll throw to you first, Dylan. What are your thoughts on who is going to take home the Super W Trophy for 2022? It's a really tough call. Uh, I think the way Fijiana have been playing is really exciting and electric. But, damn, the Waratahs do look good. So, I'm going to say it's going to be a close close hit out. I'm going to be it's going to be a try in it, but I'm Gonna go to the Waratahs. Interesting, very interesting, Jack. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, it is a tough one. As I said, it'll be interesting to see how the Waratahs respond. They're they're a pretty classy side and they're well coached. Um, it's just yeah, as Nathan touched on, whether they can contain them. And I think it'll be much closer, but I think Fijiana will will win it, and that'll that'll really shake up the competition. Nathan, break the deadlock. Uh, we got one for we got one for the Waratahs. We've got one for Fijiana. Who do you think is taking home the trophy? I mean, there is that is that potential that Fijiana come in and put, do the whole NRC. Thanks that the whole thanks for introducing us. Thanks, we'll take the title as well. But <laughs> as, as I keep saying, Waratahs only know one thing, and that's how to win. No different on Saturday. Apart from that one time they lost, but we don't. Apart from that one time they lost. No, I think I think they, they learned enough lessons from that game on the Gold Coast. They, I think that that period in between, yeah, between sort of the end of the first half and the start of the second half, that they worked out the formula. I think you'll see a concerted effort just to keep with it, and ultimately they'll be too strong. Oh, interesting! Interesting to watch. It's going to be a fantastic match as part of the Super Round that is coming up this weekend. Be sure to check that game out. Um, it'll if you don't if you can't get down to Amy Park, which first of all you should because it's just so much rugby happening in one place. You'd be a fool not to. Um, you can also check it out on Stan Sport as well, which which will be there as well. And Channel um, Nine, and also Channel Nine. nine yes, it'll on, be on live. Nine Gem, on Nine Gem from one thirty. Yep, it'll be on free-to-air, so no excuses. You can watch the final on free-to-air, which uh, is super freaking awesome, frankly. Um, 
Let's move to our penultimate question. And leading up to the England series, we are starting to get ready to talk about international rugby, which is super exciting. And uh, as, as mentioned, there have been a lot of wallabies in camp. Dave Rennie has, is currently in the middle of doing a camp in Queensland. So we figured we'd also just kind of dive into into a player analysis and, posi- and players who are potentially in contention uh, to feature in the upcoming series against England, against Eddie Jones. And hopefully we'll see... Uh, us breaking the duck against uh, breaking the the losing streak uh, against the Red Rose. Um, so starting off this week, we're, we're looking at the depth options and players available to us uh, in terms of each position, and we're going to start with the front row talking this week. So prop for tight tight head, loose head, and the hooker positions. Um, Dylan, I'm going to start with you first. I'm going to throw to the the established third, the uh, the third <laughs> the third grade coach in our in our in our podcast, um, you know as well as anyone how valuable props are in terms of <laughs> as a third grade coach. What are your thoughts about the position that the Wallabies find ourselves in in terms of the options available at prop? Um, I do know how valuable they are because I know that when you're doing a ring around on a Friday night to try and fill in spots, you're usually trying to find someone that goes, oh, I don't really want to play in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I actually think our front row uh, stocks are looking pretty good at the moment um, with the likes of Tupo, uh, Slipper, Alatoa, uh, Bell and Johnson Holmes are looking really good at the Waratahs. A couple of the uh, young guys at the uh, the Rebels, guys like Cameron Orr, um, even Matt Gibbon. Uh, Yeah, it's, we actually, it's, it's, Almost one of those positions I'm not worried about. Um, hooker will be an interesting one. Um, we've got a few guys at, uh, at hooker that I think are really good at super level, but they need to take it their game to that next level because we can't afford mistakes at line-out time. And I think it has been a bit of a weakness of ours, you know, a lot of not straight uh, throws. So, yeah, it's it's... It's a tough one because we are in a in a pretty good thing. I mean, and look, Taniella Tupo is world class. If you're picking a world fifteen, not many pundits would leave Taniella Tupo out of it, or you know, world world twenty three. So we're pretty fortunate there. Yeah, look, I do agree. Props are props an interesting one, and and so for context uh, for for all of our listeners, I'll include a, a basically a spreadsheet uh, that I've kind of compiled, which basically details the amount of depth that we have. In terms of the Wallabies, we've got basically essentially with a start on side, uh, kind of a second string side, which will form part of, which may form part of a Wallabies A team, which I know they're planning on bringing that Wallabies A team back uh, in some capacity, and then also other players like a Wallabies B team and other players of a potential interest, as well as players overseas, just to get a sense of how much depth do we actually have. Um, and then additionally, I've also done a little piece about uh, you know kind of in going position via position. Um, but on your point about prop and tight head and loose head, it you know I think Tupo Slipper Alatoa is uh, seems like you know the the, the places the, the props that we'll be going with uh, for the for the upcoming you know this upcoming series against England. But it's it's interesting, Nathan. You th- it's interesting that you touch on Bell and Harry Johnson Holmes um, as well. Do you think it's a it's a it'll be a, a clash between those two as, as to who will will fill up? 
that that prop position? Or do you see a potential bolter like Tom Robertson over at the force or like an experienced head like Scotty Seo uh, may also be in contention? I think when you look at the depth, I think it's Tupo Slipper, Alatar and Bell are probably your, your four standouts at the moment. In term, and that's in terms of just having that that consistency on the board for 18 months. I don't think it's as nailed in on who starts, who finishes, because I, I generally think Angus Bell has been exceptional this year and has shown shown enough to, to see that he could he could end up starting the game against that, that first test against England. You could we could see this change of regard, but particularly if and who I who I think we probably gives away who I think is going to be starting at hooker as well. If if he has that combination there, I think John, Johnson Holmes Johnson Holmes has been solid, and I think but I think he re, he does really work as that good fifth option to have because I, again we forget he's he's a loose head by trade. He's he only play, only playing tight head because of Bell. So to to have another option like we do with Slipper, who, with a player that can just come in and you can have him if you need a loose head or a tight head, he can fill both positions. I think that's that's going to be handy to have for England. So, I mean, if we're picking, if we're picking, say, five props for the England squad, I think they're your five. I think you, those, those first four of Tupo, Slipper, Alto, and Bell, it's still, I think it's still very much going to be up for grabs in this super rugby season to see who impresses and who can really establish themselves against this Kerry opposition. Because I, th- I think all, all four are up for grabs. I don't think Tupo's nailed it down yet, given how much Alatoa started last year. And, Likewise with Slipper. So it's going to be an interesting battle. As for Hooker, I, I, I just have a feeling Dave Rennie like, has high raps on Dave Parecki. The, the way he speaks about him, is it seems like he's found his hooker, or what he's looking for in a hooker. It's just about maintaining that consistency. So I I honestly think he's... And this is be my bold take that I, I see him starting against England. That it, it might not be the first test, but I reckon sometime during that series he starts with who comes off the bench. That's a concern. I think <laughs> you nailed it with the idea that there is so we have so many good quality Super Rugby hookers, but none have just broken out at an international level. I think that that's going to be so key to figuring out who those top two are. I mean, Flaufflinger was was pretty consistent during the Rugby Championship, but what didn't do. I don't think he's done enough to really cement himself as a starter, no matter what. And with, you know, you've got Lachlan Lonigan coming back into the fold for the Brumbies this week. I believe he's starting. Um, Paraki's starting for the Tars. Kotu's starting for the Force when they're all of a sudden, um, or not all of a sudden, when they're back to playing. He's, he's looked solid as well. Like, you're going to have all these, all these guys starting, being able to show their trade, but you just... It's going to be all about who can show at an international level. So I think the battles for those spots are still very much up for grabs, but it's ex- it's exciting to have that depth so we can have this conversation nonetheless, which I don't think we've had in the past. It is the question, it is the position that I'm most worried about uh, in terms of depth, um, this hooker thing that you, the, the, this hooker position, because probably, you know, since Stephen Moore um, retired, we haven't really had someone put a stamp on that position um, in any particular way, shape or form. Um, I find it interesting that you think Parecki's going to make it to the, to the starting position. Um, Cause a lot of people have been trialed in this, uh, you know, as hooker at hooker, you know, last year, um, 
Jack, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Because uh, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that you know, as much as we do, th- as much as you know, Flaufoyinga has done a, a relatively okay job. Uh, he's far from nailed the position down. Um, similarly, Kai Tuhu are coming off the bench um, as well. Uh, what is yeah. this? Uh, what is it? What is who is the who is the standout hooker <laughs> in Australian rugby right now? Uh, um, yeah, it's a it's a position for the last couple of years that we've struggled to find a nail on starter. I think at this point in time, in this sort of World Cup cycles in between there, and then I th- I think you know some of the some of the current some of the current players that have had a crack. You talk about Fianga, you talk about Kaituhu, you talk about Ulisi. I think it's time to move on from them and and try and give someone else a go because. They've, they've had a few chances now and they haven't really been able to take it to the next level. So I, I think we start looking at the the Lachlan Lonigans, um, the Billy Pollards, um, guys like that um, to to come through and, and prove what they've got because um, you know we're still we're still uh, searching for that for that number that number two that can be a solid performer in and in and out and and you know be the next hooker that has 50, 100 caps for the Wallabies. Um, but isn't it, in terms of props, isn't it remarkable about, you know, 10, eight years ago, we were really sort of struggling to find those those props. And now we have this fantastic current crop and, and the likes of Tupo, Bell and Johnson Holmes, they'll, they'll see us through for a couple World Cups. So it's really great that that um, depth is building it and, and there's guys still rising through the ranks um, and challenging the older guys that are, that are in there now. As a final point on all of this, um, and, and a touch on that for your, you know, kind of, you know, up and coming players as well, I'm going to ask all of you, all three of you, who is your starting, uh, starting front row, and who are coming off the bench um, in for both positions. Um, Nathan, I'll throw to you first for this one. Who is your starting lineup, and who are the two reserves for hooker and prop? Yeah, I'm going Bell with it. I'm I'm going to say front row, Bell, Parecki, Tupo, and then you look at the bench. Uh, oh, in terms of hooker, probably go Fiinga, purely because you in that option you probably then have Slipper and Alatar as your your two bench forwards, and then you can all of a sudden with 20 minutes to go bring on the full Brumbies front row. So I think that's that's what I'm going to sell, settle with for now. Um, Dylan, what are your thoughts? Who's uh, who's making your starting uh, starting front row? Yeah, I actually think I'd probably go with the same as Nath there. Um, that probably is the strongest uh, outfit we've got. Probably the thing I'll add with Hooker is I think what we need to do is pick and stick. We've given a lot of these guys a couple of goes, as as Jack said, but I'd love for them to go all right, we've worked out that Jordan Walisi is our guy. He's going to play. doesn't matter how bad he plays. He's going to be our guy that we're going to stick with and let him to build because I think the in and out, chopping and changing, isn't helping him. Um, I think we're at that point pre-World Cup that that's where we need to start to get to. Stop giving all these guys a go. Give two blokes a go and let them grow. Um, but I do think Nate's on the uh, on the money there with, with his. I think that'll probably end up being the what Dave Rennie goes with. Jack, any differing points or are you uh, on board with this on, on board with the, 
with uh, with Nathan suggestions? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with Slipper. If we're talking England, England tests, you need that experience to counteract some of um, Daniela Tupo's um, youthful exuberance. Um, and I'd say um, uh, I, I'd still put Kaitu there. I think he's still fairly young. I think that's a good point, Dylan. Giving him a run, I think he offers a bit more than some of the other guys that are uh, running around you can see this trend in world rugby now where the hook is almost a you know a second flanker in the way they play the way they um, support um, the way they go about their business in the rucks so I, I think Kaituhu could fit that role until someone else comes along um, I, I, I'm liking the look of Billy Pollard he sort of fits that mold I was just talking about but he's a long way off um, being international ready so um, yeah, I'd put Kaitu in there for now. So, yeah, Slipper, Kaituhu, and Tupo. That that sounds pretty good to me. Blimey. It's a, it's definitely one to keep a watch on. And I, I'm particularly curious about that hooker position. I'm particularly curious about that. Uh, none of you – I love that none of you are going with, with any of the established guard. It's either young, it's, it's either young blood or nothing at all. <laughs> Thank God none of you suggested we go overseas and recommend Tolly Latu. Thank God. <laughs> he's he's long gone. What was it? What was it? His coach said that it was. It was yeah, the basically uh, called him out as a liability and said yeah. it was said it was his fault for picking him. Like, yep. <laughs> it's. I that, mean, the Wallabies do play well with fourteen players, so maybe picking Kolu Latu might work for us. Hmm. <laughs> Gets does make you make you wonder and you need no further indication of 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 the you know the the interesting position we find ourselves in at hooker that he's probably the best hooker option we have overseas and he's just been sent he's just been sent off for 11 weeks for terrible tackle oh no there was as a a a certain uh, pundit who thinks that he's in our top three hookers to choose from uh not going to name names but you know (laughs) i think it's pretty telling but yeah is uh yeah that person uh, just for their own sanity will will remain nameless. Um, we'll say nothing further on the matter. <laughs> um, let's head to the last podcast, uh, last question of the of the of the podcast. Super rugby round. We've been talking about it uh, all through the episode, but let's talk predictions now. Uh, and we've got fantastic games as mentioned. The Chiefs will be kicking off against the Waratahs this weekend. Unfortunately, Moana Pacifica versus the Force has been postponed for the time being, but hopefully we'll see that game happen a little bit uh, happen soon. The Blues will be hosting the Fijian Drua. The Hurricanes will be playing the Reds. Highlanders will be playing the Brumbies. And last of all, the Crusaders will be playing the Rebels. Let's talk predictions. Let's talk how many matches we'll sneak past the Kiwis. What do we think is going to be uh, the ratio of Kiwi to Australian wins. Uh, Jack, I'll throw to you first. What do you, who do you think is taking home the, the Ws? Yeah, when you actually uh, look at the uh, the fixture list, um, it's hard to actually spot where a Aussie win would come from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, now that I'm looking at it, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the Reds are a completely different team without O'Connor. I, I would have backed the Reds in over the Hurricanes with him in the side, but I think um, I think the Hurricanes might get done. Um, I'd love I'd love to see the Waratahs get over the Chiefs, but Chiefs have been flying under the radar. They're a really good team, so uh, I'll go the Chiefs there. Um, I think we can t- chalk uh, the Western Force up with a win. You know, they're the home 
they're the they're the, they got home field advantage, so um, we'll, we'll give them the win there. Um, Blues, uh, Brumbies. I think the Brumbies will get over the Highlanders. Highlanders being poor this year, um, they always always seem to go to another level against the Aussie teams. But I think the Brumbies got enough class uh, to hold them out. Uh, and then yeah, uh, Crusaders will yeah get the job done then over the Rebels. So you're basically saying four wins to the Kiwis, one to one to Australia is what we're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's the Brumbies, no surprises. There. <laughs> Uh, Dylan, do you are you a bit more optimistic than uh, than Jack? I mean, I'm known for my negativity, but I think I'm actually going to be a little <laughs> bit more positive than Jack. Um, I think that I don't know. I think there might be something about the Waratahs getting up on the Chiefs. Uh, I'd actually wouldn't chalk up the win to the uh, Western Force. I'd give that to Moana Pacifica. Um, <laughs> I just contrarian now. <laughs> it, it gets views, con- being controversial. It does. Um, no, I think the uh, the Blues are going to get it up on the draw, but I think it'll be a pretty entertaining match. Um, I think the way that if the Reds played against the Rebels, the Hurricanes are going to put 50 on them. Um I, I'm back. I know the uh, sports bet's got the favourite on the Highlanders, but I'm going to back the Brumbies to uh, to get up on the Highlanders, I think. I think that there's just – they are almost a well-oiled machine. So that is, and uh, so I think that's probably going to be their strength against the Highlanders. Uh, and as I said, you know, Scott Barrett getting a, uh, a red card, mean uh, getting suspended means the Rebels, you know. They, how, how are the Crusaders going to survive without their captain and a Barrett? <laughs> No, I'm I'm tipping an absolute bloodbath in Melbourne on Sunday afternoon. Ouch, ouch. Uh, Natho, is there any ray of sunshine poking through here to suggest that I love that? Like we started with such this with this podcast with such optimism, but now we've got to the predictions. We're now going, <laughs> oh yeah, no, nah, it's four four wins to one. Is this where we're at? Hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm backing us a couple of times. <laughs> Two, uh, two, out, two out of five ain't bad. Two out of five. Ain't, yeah, no, I'll do, two, two out of five ain't bad. Yeah. Listen, when you, I'm, I'm backing Dylan with a two out of five. I'm, I'm thinking different games though. I, I think it's, it's gonna be just gonna be one of those things that w- w- it just feels almost poetic that we walk away with two wins up in the first round after only getting two wins for an entire season last year. I, as much as I, I want to say Waratahs beat the Chiefs, and even though I, I've talked it up, it's it. Saying it and pulling the trigger is, is another just another story. I think that it's going to be close, but the Chiefs just find a way to win. But it's like it's enough of a statement performance in the Waratahs for everyone to sort of sit up and go, "Oh, hang on a minute, this is this is going to be this is going to be a good competition." Um, as for the yeah, I think the Blues and Fiji are going to be closer than what people think. I think you'll you'll still find some of the Kiwi sides get in trouble with trying to just outskill them and throw the ball around and it'll invite them back in. But I, I still think the Blues are just going to be too strong. Uh, Reds, Hurricanes, uh, give me the, I reckon the Reds, I mean, James O'Connor is a big loss, but I think getting Jock Campbell back is a nice is a nice offsetter. Um, and by the sounds of it, he's probably going to be your main playmaker over um, Crichton, even though he's, he's played a bit of 10 for, for Brothers. 
tops. But I think this is, with everything that's gone on as well, I think this is just the perfect galvanizing thing just to get them really fired fired up and kind of send that message. Likewise, likewise with the Brumbies as well. Like the Highlanders are good, but I do think you do you do have that pressure to, for them to all of a sudden start winning to make finals. I think this Brumby side is just too good. And then, yeah, look, I mean, with, we, we joke we joke about Barrett being out, but, I mean, when you consider Sam Whitelock's probably out till next week, Strange is out, out for up to eight weeks, um, you've got probably two two rookie locks going up against the Rebels and against Matt Phillip, who I think is generally one of the form players in this comp, the way he's played this past month. I And, you know, Rob Liotta coming back is positive, but I just, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Crusaders are just going to be too good, pending them putting out a full-strength side. So I'm predict predict two wins from Brummies and Reds just to kind of steady the ship and just and for everyone to go, all right, these guys are actually legit. It's not – I mean, stop stop this nar- this narrative of, oh, well, you know, any team would be would be 8-1 and one if they had to play the Waratahs with Force and Rebels, like that, all that bears. So I'm, I reckon those two, those two get the job and we can kind of just settle down and – get into this last five weeks, which should be really exciting. And obviously, yeah, when the game comes around, I think the force will be too good for Pacifica. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting ga- couple of matches we have looking forward to, and I agree with a lot, pretty much most of your points there, Nathan. I reckon it'll be a two and five. And uh, I'm, even though the, the Hurricanes uh, are a solid team, just the for, their form that they've been in over the last couple of weeks, uh, sometimes fantastic uh, matches and sometimes... Some very mixed performances. Um, I, I predict that the Reds will uh, will somehow be able to sneak that one home. Um, that Chiefs Waratahs game is going to be so interesting to watch. So interesting to watch uh, in terms of final performances and seeing, really getting a sense of where both the Waratahs are at and also just where Australian rugby is at. Um, if they're our third our third strongest team, which you know based on current performance they are, then hopefully it bodes well if they put in a strong performance. All right, I think uh, that'll do us. She's a she's a another episode locked away in the can, and we have a whole bunch of rugby to look forward to this weekend. Thank you very much, Dylan, Nathan, and Jacko for coming on and chatting rugby once again. We've got a lot of, of rugby to, to talk about in the coming weeks as we approach the end of Super Rugby Pacific and the start of the international season. It's upon us. Um, All the best to our teams this weekend and to all of our listeners. We hope you get down there and enjoy the rugby. Also enjoy the club rugby that's going on as well, the Super W, everything else in between. Um, And also, if you're enjoying the show, be sure to drop us a review. We always love to hear from our audience. We always love to hear what you guys have to say. If you have feedback for us, we always love to hear it. Uh, Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the podcast, in fact. And we'll catch you the next time around. What did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirelli Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirelli Bombo, very interesting, very good. Yeah, very good. Three cheers for Sirelli Bombo. Very good, very good.